And good morning and welcome to Let's Talk. I'm Tracy Morgan, just about a a half an hour away from me not talking, but that's not true, Pat, because I got to do the news. I got to keep talking some more. I got to do an interview after that. Talk some more. I love my job. All right. So, Tracy Morgan in with you with Let's Talk. This is our half hour that we get to talk to great professionals in and around the area. And of course, we'll be talking with Dino Campestrani today with Concordia Visiting Nurses. And we always lump Concordia in there anyway because uh, they're the same company, two different arms of the company, so we'll just say Concordia. All right, so let me give you the laundry list of how you can listen, because of course you have us today on the radio. Love it if you listen that way, but I know everyone has moved digitally, so what we have done is we've moved with your app that you can put on a mobile device. We have Alexa-powered devices that you can access and just say, Alexa, play WISR 680 AM. And then uh, the other way, online, online. So on our website, ISR, uh, you would pick programs, let's talk, and then listen to the podcast of the day. Or your other option is pick the Listen Live button. And if you pick that, then you can hear us broadcast as we will for the next 30 minutes. All right, I think that's it. Class is over. I'm done. <laughs> my, my, my work is done here. No, not really. Dino Capistrani, of course, sitting across from me, Marketing Director for Concordia Visiting Nurses. Welcome, Dino. Nice to see you again today. Good to be seen, Tracy. Yeah. It's good to be here with you. So we are talking about the emergency room today. Yeah. And if we have to make a visit. So give us that overview, if you would. Yeah, exactly. You know what, Tracy? Here, it, First of all, again, really good to be with you here. But about one in every five seniors, Tracy, goes to the emergency room in a given year, a statistic that is just something that leads us into this here. And more ER visits are literally by accident, but there are some, like people who are struggling with congestive heart failure, where their lungs or their body fills up with fluid and it becomes difficult to breathe, they go in often, and so we call them frequent flyers, if you will, to the emergency room. So today we're gonna talk about some things that you can do in preparation of an emergency room visit or have a kit off to the side and to be able to help you to go ahead and alleviate some stress because that's always not a fun trip, but sometimes necessary. And it's never top of mind of what to take whenever the moment happens. You know, whenever you realize you have to go to the emergency room, it's like grab the keys, get in the car, go. Yeah, exactly. You know, you're not thinking of anything else. So if you prepare early. Well, you know, and you could do this very simply here, and we'll go through this list here throughout the, the half an hour together here, mm-hmm. but those tips and suggestions are good to even put off to the side, uh, particularly if you have a loved one who who has a chronic disease like CHF or even COPD or anything of that nature that warrants them going to the emergency uh, emergency room quite often they're prepared and ready to go much mm-hmm. like when when uh, i remember when my wife was expecting one of our children mm-hmm. actually both of them yeah. and you know we had the bag off to the side just waiting to go to the hospital so in this particular case here you can probably do the same thing much simpler though so let's talk about what we should start to prepare and i know we'll go through a few aspects of this so talk about that that er kit that you would say would be our bag you know in in the case of a pregnancy yeah exactly you know er kit emergency room kit if you will is really really important and in that kit it's not really a kit but yeah. it's just information <laughs> that the proverbial kit exactly <laughs> One of the first uh, in, in, in most important things is is all your medical information here. You know, a list of your loved one's conditions, uh, any medications that they may have been taking, if they have any allergies, uh, if you're allergic to uh, plastic gloves or penicillin or things of that nature, and any past surgeries are kind of helpful. And also, too, nowadays, it's probably not a bad idea to get a list of the supplemental vitamins 
that you take because they're all parts of things that have an impact on what you're doing. And of course, the last thing is, is include any contact information of all your physicians, whether it's your primary care physician or let's suppose you've had a total knee or a total joint replacement. You also have your orthopedic physician. So it's just wise to go ahead and get all that medical information available so that when you're there and they ask for it, you can provide it. And I think it's a great idea as you're talking because not only are we in a different mindset when we have to go to the emergency room, but what if we have to take a loved one that's not necessarily um, an immediate relative? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, we may not know all of that information that you're describing, so it's good to have that down. It certainly is. And, you know, typically when you go into an emergency room here, there's a triage area here if someone is in really, really serious shape here, but they're going to be asking for this information anyway. So to be prepared in advance makes the process faster. And sometimes, you know, depending upon the amount of people that are in the emergency room, that could be a pretty lengthy stay, if you will, just to find out. But uh, having this available certainly helps speed up uh, the process and have somebody take a look at you. And did you mention Medic Alert? I was looking at some notes as you were mm-hmm. talking there. Um, what is that? And, and can you describe that a little bit more? Yeah, exactly. It's not the pendant or anything like that. Actually, the Medic Alert Foundation is a nonprofit company, Tracy, founded in 1956. So it's been around for a while and it's headquartered in California. But it maintains a database of members' medical information that is made available only to medical authorities in the event of a medical emergency. So it's not a bad idea if your loved one, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, or anybody who has chronic conditions to go ahead and at least get in touch with them to go ahead and have that information available. Because if you're seeing more physicians and more medical professionals uh, as you age and you're dealing with this common disease or the, the diagnosis you have, it's great to go ahead and have that available. Totally secured, uh, certainly not uh, done by any foreign entities. It is a database, and it's been since 1956 to be able to hold those records uh, for medical personnel to go ahead and access. So it's uh, it's been around for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Is it all digital then? Because, of course, you know, it's been a few years now that most locations have gone from paper to digital. But I assume it's all digital. It is becoming that, and if not that already here. I mean, when you take a look at their inception of 1956, of course it wasn't, and it was a variety of information. Right. Mm-hmm. But today, when you take a look at electronic medical records, Concordia Visiting Nurses and Concordia Lutheran Ministries utilizes what we call an EMR, you know, electronic medical records. So I think for the most part, it is uh, digital today, and uh, it continues to be so. And that's easily accessible by anybody, whether it is the emergency personnel, the hospital, your physician, or anybody who needs to find out what's going on. And and I know you weren't here to talk about this. I want to ask you, though, how's the reception been with everything being digital now at Concordia? Has it made it uh, smoother, easier, more transparent? I mean, what, what's that been like for your nurses? Yeah, exactly. You know, Concordia Visiting Nurses rolled out its first EMR, Electronic Medical Records Program, about 12 years ago. So at that time, there was a challenge, you know, and you're finding out between the two generations, if you will, older nurses who have gone into the profession because they felt that it was a calling, they struggled a little bit more 12 years ago mm-hmm. on getting on board. The younger nurses, who we call propeller heads because they were used to being on digital stuff, found it easier. Today, Tracy, it's really a non-issue here. We just recently changed uh, from one uh, platform to another in the last two or three years, and we found out the transition now, compared to 12 years ago, was much quicker and easier. So I believe on that basic information, 
it's been accepted pretty well. I think I'm a tweener. I yeah. really do. I'm in between <laughs> that. I get it enough that I can be dangerous, but I have no idea how to get that copied over there. And uh, well, you know, and I'm the same way too. I mean, I've been in this industry, right? as, if you will, public relations and right. communications for quite a, quite a long time here. But I am not a propeller head in regards to the social media marketing. You know, That's we have it, our right? youngins, if you will, right. in our public relations department who excel at this stuff here. So I'm with you in that regard. To a certain extent. And do it, <laughs> I chuckle when they get the, all you have to do is this. And I went, oh, yeah, <laughs> I don't sure. Know what you mean? Yeah, exactly. What did you just say? Anyway, we don't want to get off topic. You know what? <laughs> it's, I, it's real quick. We're off topic here, but you know, I had like 400 jazz CDs at one point yeah, here and yeah. I converted them all over to digital. And I have to call my daughter to say, how do I get it yes. on my iTunes? Because yes. I, I don't get it. Yeah. And because she is the younger generation that embraces the digital technology. And so That's right. if you have a younger nurse or a therapist coming to your home taking care of don't worry they're on top of things and they know what's happening well, and i laugh because i'll share my story at home because i have two teenagers right if they see mom struggling and they want to prove mom wrong they'll come right in and oh, say yeah. mom all you have to but now if i'm struggling and i say hey does anybody know how to do this nope yeah yeah exactly and i think <laughs> that's like, an seriously <laughs> that story happens so often right? you know they're the first at your side when you're struggling but when you need help <laughs> yeah. i'm kind of busy uh, yeah play my game <laughs> go to all google right. go, to, go google. to google or alexa will help you i know all right back on to where we're gonna pull all this back in <laughs> dino capistrani with us marketing director for concordia visiting nurses and actually dino came to talk about uh the emergency rooms and what we need to do and how to prepare for the emergency room visit so as we're talking about that like er kit if you will um that proverbial er mm -hmm. kit um i know there are other things that you would think that we would need to bring to the er so what's that list yeah absolutely another thing that's vitally important is really your insurance information you know a, a copy of your family's um, membership card. Now, if they're uh, uh, old enough to have Medicare, uh, bring your Medicare um, card. And also, too, typically, if you do have Medicare, you have supplemental insurance uh, to pay for that 20% that doesn't cover Medicare. You need to bring that along as well, too. And any other um, supplemental policies that have an impact on this, that insurance information is very important for the emergency room because at some point they have to bill for this. And so if you have those insurances, then of course, you know, they're able to go ahead and bill for it. And one thing to keep in mind here, the hospital never turns people away if you don't have insurance and things of that nature. There's always a safety net uh, to go ahead and do things in the hospital, as well as a lot of medical professionals have what is called charity care, where they go ahead and take care of people. So if there is a thought out there that, my goodness, I don't have this, and I'm not going to be able to get in, that's not the case. They're going to take care of you first. Abandonment cannot happen. Yeah, absolutely. And then what about the directives that we choose for our own lives? Yeah, advanced directives are an important thing. And, and you know what? A lot of folks really don't take a look at that seriously, and, and they really should, because God only knows when you're going to go to the hospital, and God only knows if you're going to have a serious setback or maybe kind of um, difficulties in the hospital here. And we strongly recommend that everybody goes ahead and make sure they have advanced directives. And what is an advanced directive? Well, they're legal documents that allow you to spell out your decisions about end-of-life care ahead of time here. Um, they give you a way to go ahead and tell the wishes of your end of life mm -hmm. to your family members, friends, and of course to the healthcare professionals to avoid any kind of confusion later on because it's so important. And again, God only knows when something could occur. And if you have this spelled out and you've talked about it and you've shared this with family members, it's an important thing. Ironically, my immigrant father 
had advanced directives. And my brother and I didn't know about this because that generation, his generation, if you will, didn't share that information. And when he was in the hospital, he had everything in place. And it made it so much easier Mm -hmm. for us as he was towards his end of life because we are honoring his wishes. So get your advanced directives done and bring them along with you if you have to go to the emergency room. Or at least know where they are when you're at home. Because, again, if you're in the emergency room and you don't think to bring that, if you at least know where they are, you can call home and exactly. tell your spouse or loved one or kid to go get it. And one of the things yeah. that we do in our family here is that we have a legacy drawer. I mean, our office was Lynn's former business. She mm-hmm. retired and sold the business here. But we have a legacy drawer. And in there are all the legacy documents, wills, advanced directives, uh, information about the trust, all those type of important things, put them in a safe place and call them a legacy drawer. And if you need to have a copy of them, have two sets of it there, that if you have a loved one who goes to the hospital often, that you can just grab that packet, take it with you, just make sure to return it, bring it back. That's why a copy is really important. (laughs) It is, and I only chuckle because I'm that person that would grab the whole drawer and just take it to the emergency room and say, I don't know, which one do you need? You know, I don't know. And and I think I'm I'm very typical of a lot of people out there because we have so many documents in our lives that in the moment you're not thinking of, of... I'm going to take 30 minutes to go through this paperwork. You just want to hand it over and say, which one do you need? Well, exactly. And and if you're much like me, you'll bring it along with you, and they didn't need it, and then you'll put it in the backseat of your car, and it gets lost amongst all the other things in the backseat of your car. So, you know, they're important documents. You need to treat them uh, importantly and bring them along because they're so important if you will, in regards to going to the emergency room. So as we're preparing to go to the emergency room, not that we want to, but mm-hmm. we have a great hospital to take care of us. Right. And if you have to go, uh, again, other things that we should be packing, I would assume. I know mm-hmm. papers are easy to put into exactly. a, uh, a purse or whatnot, but you got clothes and things like that. Yeah, personal items is vitally important here. For instance, a change of clothes just in case your loved one's garments get wet or soiled. Uh, one doesn't know what the reason is for going to the emergency room. It could be an accident. It could be maybe trauma as a result of it. And if those clothes, the ones that are on your back, are the only ones you need and you begin to heal but you can't get around and do things, bring an extra pair of clothes or maybe your favorite house coat or your own slippers or things of that nature because being comfortable is vitally important. And of course, you know, wearing the hospital gown all around, which are really not very flattering, if you will, and I could never tie the tie in the back. I wish they could (laughs) figure this out here. But the point is, is bringing that extra set of clothes so eventually when you're discharged, you can go ahead and have a fresh fresh group of clothing to go home with. Yeah, and you might want to pack something extra for you, too. Because well, you may have to stay. Well, you know what? If you're there with your spouse, or let's say if you're watching Grandma, Grandma, mm-hmm. and they have nobody here, and you choose to stay with them there, yeah, it's an important thing for you to go ahead and do and stay a little bit fresh during that duration of time that you're you're with your loved one. Yeah. What else should we be packing? Well, you know, stress-relieving supplies. You know, going to the emergency room, I don't know if you ever had to do that with your boys boys typically oh, yeah, yeah, are frequent oh, yeah. flyers. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just not a fun place. You know, you may have to sit for a while, and it also can be pretty stressful. And when you think about that stress for your loved one who is an old, an elderly person, that stress level is really 
hard. So bringing stress supplies, emergency room visits, they're lengthy, pack water, maybe some snacks, or maybe cash for purchases on the vending machine or a cup of coffee or something like that. And exactly a pen and a piece of paper, something to take notes here. Um, it could potentially be chilly for your loved ones, so bring a sweater along here or any kind of reading material or your favorite songs on your smartphone. And if grandma doesn't, grandpa doesn't have a smartphone, something that can go ahead and help them be stress-free. You know, in our family here, when my mother-in-law went to uh, the emergency room, the stress reliever for her was uh, humor. We okay. would, we would okay. joke and tease with her and keep her mind off of things, and it did help. So any type of stress-relieving opportunities are very helpful for your loved one and yourself and it yeah i'm thinking back when you talk about my kids so which time do i tell you about now <laughs> no the, the one time we were visiting florida I mean, we were in florida mm-hmm. and my one son he's the one saying take me to the emergency room so you know we're trying to figure out how to get there because we were vacationing right no car all that kind of good stuff but when we were in there i mean what are you going to do you know it, it's it's you don't have any of this stuff that i'm as you're talking i'm like yeah that would have helped us and that would have oh, helped yeah, us exactly that would have helped us because in the moment sometimes they are just emergencies you got to go exactly and you know what um in in this particular case here we're talking mostly about it for those who are seniors and who have maybe a diagnosed Mm -hmm. uh, uh, common disease that gets them into the hospital often you can prepare those things that's not always the case much like what you experienced when that occurred and i remember that conversation about three years ago right oh gosh no that was more like 10 years ago i mean literally quite literally yeah well you know what in those in those situations here you've got to go ahead and just improvise as you go along here but in this case here where you have a loved one who may go into the hospital often, yeah. you can't prepare in advance to help them out. I wish it was only three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Everything feels like it's been so long, hasn't it? I know, well, this I last know. year has been Woo! 10 years ago. I know, <laughs> wasn't it? It's been a long 10 years in this past eight months, I'll tell you. Uh, but anyway, okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about um, the emotional state that we do have to go. So, because, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of that stress, but even taking a loved one, of course, I'm thinking of my loved ones that had to go to the emergency room. And that, that's a, a lot of emotional stress. So h- how do you help? How do we help ourselves with that aspect of yeah, this? Yeah, that's a great question here. And there are several things that you can go ahead and do. One of the most important things is to support your loved one with calm attention maybe a hand holding their hand or just assuring them it's going to be fine here but you know what you're in the emergency room but you still look pretty i remember lynn's mom when she was in the emergency room she looked glowing she really did look delightful and you know of course i remember when she was in there we were watching some silly television program and a little bit of humor about that it did calm her down. She had her daughter with her. She had her son-in-law who could wheel her around because she was in a wheelchair at that time. And it, it, it's just an important thing to give them calm attention. If you're stressed over and above their stress, they're going to be that much more stressed. And so you do need to go ahead and take some time to try to be calm about it, even though there's anxiety with that emergency room visit for you. Yeah, and that's tough too. I always rely on the doctors too. That I always tell the doctors, if you're not going to stress out, I'm not going to stress out. But then if you, as the loved one, is not are not stressed out, then your loved one who's actually having the visit, I can see your point. It's is a ripple a lot effect. More relaxed, yeah. You know what? And they're watching you and they're relying upon you. And of course, they're showing you maybe a little bit of bravado, saying, "Well, I'm okay. I'm fine." I'm, I'm, but but in reality. It's a nerve-wracking time, and you're not at home. Also, too, Tracy, one of the things that we recommend uh, to strive for balance on stress is to provide information to the ER staff as requested, meaning 
Your input is impo- important and really kind of essential to help them understand what's different from normal. Why did mom come up here? Why did grandpa come up here? What happened? And in my mother-in-law's case here, she fell. But prior to that, she had shortness of breath. And so we were finding out that her lungs were filling up with fluids. And of course, you know, that fall and all of that had a big impact on it. And when we went into the emergency room staff, we were able to discuss with them that she's having a difficult time breathing. Uh, She had a quadruple bypass 12 years prior to. We felt that maybe it was wearing off or not doing as well as it was. And so that information we provided to them helped them to narrow down what they should be looking at first. And it's very important. So doing that is, is important to go ahead and differentiate from what is the emergency and what would have been normal prior to that. And then how about when we need updates? It's, it's a tricky thing, I think, because you don't want to bother the nurses, but you want an update. But I'm probably the family member who's asking every five minutes, and oh, so sure. you, know, you need some time. And so what's your opinion on asking for updates? You know, and, and it's, a, it's a tough balance here because, you know, your loved one, you're, you know, you're accompanying them, you're helping them out here, and, of course, you want information here. But it's fine to ask maybe every 40 or 60 minutes for an update. You know, if your family member's condition seems to worsen while you're sitting there waiting to go ahead and get in here, then it's perfectly fine to say, you know, she's uncomfortable, uh, not doing well. I'm seeing sweat. I'm seeing perspiration. It's not warm in here. Something's going on. Can you attend to them uh, properly? And they will. But typically 40 to 60 minutes of checking up. Sometimes you can be in the emergency room longer than you hope, but just trying to find out. And when mom or dad or grandma or grandpa goes back to the room with the doc, um, you're not permitted. And of course, nowadays, you're not permitted at all because of you know the, the virus that we have going on. Asking for updates is helpful for you to understand what's going on because once they leave, you're by yourself and you're stressed. And of course, you love your loved one. And so having that relief is pretty helpful. And that leads me into the note that's in front of me about observing and taking notes. I think that's hugely important because I can't remember everything that's happening. So I'm, I'm a, a note taker. You know, yeah. I have to write it down. But to really observe what's going on, they're going to ask you those questions. Oh, I these, mean, the doctor's going to ask, and, and most often, if you're not paying attention, it's, it's a matter of I don't know. Well, exactly. And, you know, the more information you can have or the more information you could retain is good along the line here. So, you know, if you have a, a tablet and a pen, or in many cases, your smartphones have recording devices on it, somehow, some way, take notes so that you understand what's going on. And, of course, be cognizant of what maybe happened at home that prompted you to bring your loved one to the emergency room because they, they, they could have fall. They, they may have a difficult time breathing. Uh, they may be hemorrhaging. Uh, who knows? And so those information, that information is vitally important. And if it happens so rapidly at home and you brought them to the emergency room, the time that you're sitting there to go ahead and be attended to, you could be making notes to go ahead and reflect upon exactly what happened at home. All this information is very helpful to the staff to be able to tend to your loved one. And details, right? Details down. Great details. I, somebody asked my son the other day, well, yesterday, you know, what kind of games do you play? And, and he was very ambiguous. And I, I looked at him and I said, no, you got to stress it's gaming. I mean, computer games are different than board games. Oh, Just yeah. even something simple oh, yeah. like that, but a description of what happened and 
did they fall on their elbow? Did they fall on your knee? You know, how did the, the loved one fall? Were they dizzy beforehand? All yeah. those details are important. Well, you're so spot on here, Tracy, because the more the staff knows what occurred, it's, it's easier for them to narrow in on what they have to look at first. And again, it's called the emergency room for a reason. There's an emergency that prompted you to get your loved one over to the hospital in the emergency room quickly here. So giving them great deal detail of what occurred. And my wife did that. You know, she shared that that day, the day that uh, she fell in the evening, but she went to the um, her pulmonary doctor and had x-rays and checked on all the things because she had the quadruple bypass and we felt that she was... Uh, filling up with fluids and her ankles were swelling and she was having a tough time breathing then falling down all that information was very helpful to the ER staff to go ahead and triage her and get her where she needed to be to go ahead and take care of her. So what about when we leave? What should we have in hand before we leave the ER? Yeah, that's an important thing. And, you know, a lot of times here, get instructions. And if you don't understand them, uh, whether it's the hospitalist or your, your attending physician or even the nurses, don't leave without any written instructions. The more information you have is really important. And, and, and ask specifically about the diagnosis they just found out about here. You know, what is the follow-up care? Are there any new prescriptions? Would mom need to have home health care uh, up home? Ask questions about how do I go about doing that? Can I request uh, my own home care uh, agency? And you can. By law, you have freedom of choice. But all these things are vitally important. So ask tons of questions because you're going to have a lot of people talking to you. You're going to have social services at the hospital. You're going to have the hospitalist who rounds. You're going to have your own primary care physician and then the charge nurse at the time there. And so you have all these folks giving you information without jotting stuff down. You'll be going home without knowing what to do. So it's vitally important. And if you're uncertain, ask your relative on all the things that they may have been told. Because sometimes they may remember, and sometimes they may be able to give you wrong That's information. True. That's true. Like yeah, my dad, oh, I'm fine, I'm great, yeah. Yeah, everything's wonderful. Yeah. But in reality, he wasn't. Yeah. So um, if we are in the ER and we would like to choose a, a particular um, organization to take care of us and we choose Concordia mm -hmm. Visiting Nurses, how do we go about doing that? I, I know, and, and now I'm not thinking of an emergency situation, but just being in the hospital and they give you a ton, ton of information. Yeah, they know? certainly so do. How do you go from there? What's the process? Yeah, typically speaking, if you go to the emergency room, you may be admitted into the hospital for a period of time here, whatever it is, in order them to triage you and stabilize you. They call that acute care. It's high level of health care. But at some point here, they're going to recommend discharging you when things that are stabilized. And so you would be considered for post-acute care. That's acute care that happens after the hospital. And in that case there, your physician will come up to you and say, we're going to send you home with home health care. You're going to have a skilled nurse come to your house or a therapist or whatever the, the clinician skills are. And at that point, you can tell social services that you would choose your particular home health care agency. We certainly hope you choose us, but you can choose anyone you like. And at that point there, within a 24, 48-hour period of time, after discharge, a start-up care nurse will come to your home, take a look at the notes upon discharge that came from the hospital, check and see if there's any additional notes from your physician, any new medications, and they'll do an actual hands-on physical review of you. A lot of times, some folks who have a total joint replacement, Tracy, may have an infection that occurs 
from the time that they're discharged to at home. And so it's important for that nurse to say, oh my goodness, they're having a, their, their fever's up, there's redness around the wound, I'm gonna call the doctor and go from there. And so that's typically the process that would occur. Emergency room, admitted for a period of time, they're gonna send you home with skilled care, and at that point, you can ask for a home health care agency like Concordia Visiting Nurses. And, of course, you get the contact information when you get the information. But because you're here with me, I'm going to ask you, what's sure. the best way to give Concordia or Concordia Visiting Nurses a call? Yeah, absolutely. First thing is, obviously, if you're being discharged and they say you're going to have home health care, we hope you would choose us and you could tell them that. But if you need information here, simply call Concordia's main number, which is 724-352-1571, and ask that great receptionist. Can I talk to somebody in home health care, Concordia Visiting Nurses, and they'll transfer you up there, and any of our clinical leaders can go ahead and give you information. Also, too, we have this fabulous educational website called elderpagespittsburgh.com, and in there is a whole bunch of information, including the content of our show today. If you want to refer to this or maybe send a link to your loved one, your brother, sister, or anybody out of town, which is pretty helpful to go ahead and keep everybody in the loop. And if you're looking for this particular show, it's about the emergency room, so getting prepared to visit the emergency room. Of course, Gino Capistrani, Marketing Director, Communications Director, mm-hmm. of, <coughs> excuse me, of the Concordia Visiting Nurses, and Concordia, we just kind of lumped them in. So. Yeah, that's all right. We're <laughs> all part of the mind. same organization. We just kind of lumped them in anyway, but uh, but with Concordia. So, Dino, thank you so much for, for coming in. Appreciate it. Always nice to see you. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks yeah. for having me here today. And folks, thank you very much for joining us for this segment. Again, it's online on our website as well, so you can go WISR680.com, pick Programs, Let's Talk, and then look for Concordia. I'm Tracy Morgan with Let's Talk.